0: And welcome back, my Everyday Truth family. Appreciate you joining us again today for our excursion into the Word of God. We are nearing the uh, end of a really powerful message that Jeremiah preaches in Jeremiah chapter number four. Uh, So powerful is this message that several times in the message itself, Jeremiah has just spoken up to say, Lord, uh, I don't get this. Uh, my heart is just in pain as I think about what's going to happen uh, to your people uh, to m- to my people uh, what a um, what what a I, mean, what, I guess what, what I'm saying is we know why Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet uh, because he felt deeply about God and felt deeply about his people. And he was kind of like this man with no country. Uh, He was in the middle between God and the people, as indeed a prophet was. He represented God to man. And I wonder if there isn't that kind of spirit among Christian leadership today, that yes, we need to be bold enough to speak the message of God to a society that doesn't want to hear it, to sometimes a church that doesn't want to hear it. And yet our responsibility is to speak the word of God, regardless of how popular we will be or how popular the word of God is. And yet not in a gotcha kind of way. Some preachers, I think they almost enjoy preaching negative messages. They almost enjoy saying hard and harsh things, almost obnoxiously. That was not Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, as we we have seen in this passage a couple times, just has a pathos for God's people and a heart and a, a weeping sadness about the destruction of God's people. And perhaps that's one of the reasons why he was called the weeping prophet because he did take these things to heart. He wasn't stoic in the way that he conveyed and communicated the message of God. Uh, I want to remind you that when Jesus queried his own disciples about whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am, remember, uh, among the very few possibilities that they suggested to Jesus uh, was the possibility, well, some are saying that you're Jeremiah, And I wonder if it wasn't the heart of Jesus, the the weeping of Jesus for his own people. We find that several times in Jesus' ministry as he wept there at the tomb of Lazarus or as he wept over the city of Jerusalem and how that reminded people of Jeremiah who wept uh, for the message of God upon a rebellious and backsliding people. We're in Jeremiah chapter four, where Jeremiah has just bemoaned with heart aching the destruction of his people. And he says in verse number 21, how long shall I see the standard? That's the banner, the flag, and hear the sound of the trumpet. So it's as if Jeremiah said, "When this, when's this going to end? When is this destructive process, this backsliding process of God's people, how long? And you find that question asked uh, several other places in the Bible. I think about the tribulation saints that say, how long? I think there's a sense in which we, as New Testament believers, ought to be having a sense of how long. How long till Jesus comes back? Even so come Lord Jesus, that sense of expectance and urgency. Now for us, it's a a how long of hope. For Jeremiah, it was a how long of, Lord, when is this time of, of chastisement going to be over? Verse number 22, for my people is foolish. This is what's extenuating the process. And God says, here's your answer, Jeremiah. You want to know how long? You want to know why this seems to be taking longer than it should? Because my people, my people, they're foolish. They have not known me. They are sodish children. The word sodish here refers to their 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 infantile thinking, their their silliness, uh, their stupidity. Uh, they are sodish children. They have none understanding. And then this statement of indictment. At the end of verse 22, they are wise to do evil. Oh, they're smart enough about this and that. Boy, they know how to navigate themselves when it comes to their lusts and to their evil intentions. Uh, They're more than savvy when it comes to wanting to do wrong things. They are wise to do evil, but to do good, they have no knowledge. Reminds me of the the passage in the New Testament where we are to be a simple concerning evil and and, and wise about good, uh, we would be. I think it's the end of Romans chapter sixteen where it uh, where it mentions that. And certainly that certainly that's true. And I wonder if you were to assess your knowledge base to assess the things about which you are intellectually savvy. Sometimes I think we're smarter about our scheming and our sinning and our duplicities than we are about the simple truths of God's word. And Jeremiah's question is answered by the Lord. You know, why is this taking so long? How long is this going to go on? And the Lord said, it's because my, my people, uh, they're, they're acting stupidly and they're foolish. And they don't seem to know anything about my word. And they're bringing this upon themselves. Look at verse number 23, as Jeremiah now describes the kind of destruction that God's people are going to experience. It's it's an amazing description. Look at verse number 23. I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void, and the heavens, and they had no light. So what, what, what's that a description of? It sounds as if Jeremiah is describing the first days before God even created. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the earth. That, that's what God, it's almost as if Jeremiah is saying, the destruction of Jerusalem is going to be so profound and so complete. It's as if we've reversed creation. It's as if we've gone way back to the beginning. It's as if God needs to start all over again with you because you've accomplished nothing. He's taking you right down to the bare bones. Uh, The builder would say, we've got to take that house right down to the studs and rebuild everything. That's, That's the point of this. Verse 24, I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved lightly we think about mountains as immovable things uh, often in the bible the illustration of mountains moving or that kind of thing refers to the foundations uh, themselves that that are at that are in peril so the mountains are are trembling and the hills are moving lightly the point here is that these are foundational things that are happening if god is bringing his people to the very Raising Jerusalem itself, R-A-Z, raising Jerusalem, bringing it down to its foundation. Uh, 25, verse 25, I beheld and lo, there was no man. All the birds of the heavens were fled. So this destruction will be so complete that it doesn't just involve the physicality of destruction, as in the destruction of buildings and not just the geography of destruction in that there is the, the, the moving of the mountains and so forth but it's the it's the complete expulsion of people and animals it, it's going to be a, a, a complete a comprehensive judgment from God verse 26 and I beheld and lo the fruitful place was a wilderness and that's the issue the fruitful place but Jerusalem, used to be a fruitful place. God's land, remember when he promised it to the people of God coming back from Egypt? It's a land that flows with milk and honey. It's a place where you'll enjoy crops that you did not plant. You'll enjoy cities that you did not build. You'll inherit the manifold blessings of God. But now all the things I gave you, all the blessings I bestowed upon you, They're going to be gone in a significant way. And all of this I warned you about way back in Deuteronomy, that second generation about to come into the promised land when Moses preached those messages that we know of as the book of Deuteronomy. He said, wow, if you turn from God, then bad things will happen. And he predicted these exact kinds of judgments. And now it is happening because you simply did not take God at his word. The the fruitful place was a wilderness. All the cities thereof were broken down at the presence of the Lord and by his fierce anger. So think about it. What is bringing all of this? God's manifest presence. God is doing this so that all of God's blessings— are stripped away and there is God himself, the presence of God alone. Don't you know that that's one of the chief purposes for God's chastisements? Is when God takes away the things he's given us, when God takes away the things with which he's blessed us, that all that's left is his presence and we must look at him in the face. We must deal with him. Don't you know that that might be what God is doing in your life right now? Maybe the the removal of these blessings or the, this hard time, if you will, is a matter of God making you more keenly aware of him. When a parent has to remove his children from the playground or uh, the time of of playing or whatever he's going on to, to deal with him in judgment. I think about my own kids when they were small and I'd have to call them to the bedroom, you know, the ominous walk to the baton death march to the bedroom to deal with dad. Then the only thing that that child is aware of at that point is the presence of his disappointed parent who loves him, who's going to deal with him, who wants to restore him. And that's the point of Jeremiah chapter 4 and the verses that we discussed today. So we'll jump back in on next episode, verse number 27. Hope you'll join us for that. Until then, hope you have a great day today. We'll see you next time. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy everyday truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.